I want to do a little bit of pastoral coaching today. A little pastoral coaching. Such a privilege for me to be able to be the lead pastor and kind of the spearhead of our teaching uh, team and voices. And so today, as I was preparing and praying, I just felt the Lord was almost giving me a, a uniquely different uh, expression to bring. And I want to talk to you about the final 40. The final 40. We are, as hard as it may be to believe, we are nearing the final 40 days of the year. And usually about this time, we start focusing in on what the first 40 will look like for next year, because we will bring a lot of attention there, and I'm going to talk with you a little bit uh, of what we have going there. But I, I want to encourage you that we not get to the first 40 before we finish well and finish strong the final 40. And so that's what I want to talk about today as we look at this. I, I personally, this has been a real struggle for me, just in all honesty. Um, I'm a highly motivated person in general, and most of the time I give myself really, you know, in a strong capacity. I can be an overwhelming individual at times, uh, and anybody who spends any amount of time around me knows that's the case. But what I've learned is, and maybe you've learned this as well, if I give a full 90, then most people are satisfied and they never even know that I don't give a, a complete 100. In other words, that final 10%, it's what really costs something of all of us. If I give Tracy, my wife, 90% of myself to our marriage, the truth is when you look around in the world that we live in today, that's more than most guys are going to give their wives. And so she's probably good with that, to be honest with you. And I could justify it by maybe comparison. Uh, in your friendships, you could probably give 90% of yourself to friendships, and that would satisfy most people that you're going to be friends with in your life. But the Bible tells us something really unique in the book of Colossians. It says, do what you do heartily as unto God and not unto men. In other words, God knows the percentage. He knows when we stop just short of the final 10 and we just give that first 90. So we have to be very careful not to give up before we see things through. Let me just say to you today, do not give up until you have seen things through. Uh, we just have to see it all the way through. Not, not to the point where most people are okay and nobody's going to say anything. Don't give up until you see it all the way through. And this year, 2017, we want to finish strong. Now let me give you just a few things uh, that you can be aware of because I want you to hear it and begin to prepare for it for next year in the first 40. But I want you to understand before I even tell you those things, it's the foundation of the final 40 that actually gets built correctly that positions us to build the structure in the first 40 going into the next thing God wants to reveal. In other words, when God gives you a revelation, He wants you to explore it, exhaust it, embrace it, experience it in every possible way, and let that be the foundation upon which the next revelation He will bring will be built in a solid form that will really sustain us in a whole nother dimension of what he's called us to in the future. So we need to be prepared before we get to the first 40. January 1 is going to be here before you know it. It's going to be great. 2018 ushering in. 
uh, and we're going to have our, our 40-day emphasis, those of you that are in the room, and you're not a member of the Destiny family. We want to invite you to make that uh, that decision to step into a place of identifying with a church family as a part of the, of the family in terms of membership. It's a really important element for us. And so the first 40 days every year, all of our community groups do exactly the same focus just for those 40 days where we talk about the, the, the core values, kind of the five most important revelations we carry as a church. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord. Those are the first two elements. And so we have this statement, and we'll be talking about that through those first 40 days in our community groups. And if you want to be a member of the church family, we ask you to find one of those groups. You can do so today. Dane and Austin are going to be after the service right out at the connection uh, area there. Connect. What, what do we call that? The Connect Center. Of course we do. I should know that. You would think I would know that. Um, so the, the first 40 days will be that focus for us. I want you to know that during that first 40 days, we're also going to have, and I want you, if you would, write it down on your calendars and be prepared for this, Saturday, January the 27th. We have a very unique opportunity. There's a man uh, who leads a church in England named Steve Upple. He's been with us before. He uh, he is in a constant state of training and equipping leaders of leaders, pastors of pastors. He's very apostolic in nature, a lot of oversight to many networks of churches, and has a ministry expression that has incredible international impact. The guy is just a great, uh, a great man, and we have so been blessed to be connected and friends with him. Uh, and he will be here that weekend with us. And so we're going to do on that Saturday, January the 27th, what we're going to call Destiny Boot Camp. And we're just going to turn him loose to wake us up to the deeper purposes of God with the spiritual gifts that he carries for the body of Christ. He travels all over the world doing this for leaders and pastors. And we have the privilege of having him right here as a part of our first 40 days. And then we're going to conclude our 40 days on, Jan on February the 11th. And we're going to have, that's a Sunday. That Sunday night, we're going to be doing some fasting and praying during the 40 days. We're going to ask nobody to eat or drink anything during the first 40 I'm just kidding. You'll, you'll determine whatever it is that you'd like to, uh, to fast. Uh, you know, during that time, it might be food, it might be something else. But what we're going to do is conclude our 40 days of fasting, pursuing, exploring, expanding, pressing in, chasing after Jesus with a worship night on that February the 11th, that Sunday evening. It's just going to be a great time of blasting off into more of what God has in store. The 2018 revelation for us is God created us to flourish. You and I were created to flourish. Everybody say flourish. I know it's not a common word, but it is a powerful word with a lot of meaning, and we're going to explore and experience and understand that in 2018. It's going to be a great focus for us. So what I want to do is have that framed up in our minds, and then let's not go there yet. Let's understand that's a lot of structure that God's going to begin to build and position but there's a foundation that we have not completed, and the foundation is really important. And this year, 2017, has been an entire focus of love is our source. And this is where we have learned God does something within us to change the world around us. When somebody is kind to us, it's easy to be kind to them because they've given us kindness. When they're unkind to us, that's when we have to allow God to do something in us, and we give them what God gave us instead of what they gave us. We give them kindness. And that's the whole essence of this, and I believe it is very... How many of you believe that what I'm talking about is actually partially the key to a flourishing life? 
And so we want to let God just do what he wants to deep within us in this important revelation that he's brought to us this year so that we can complete, not just go 90% to it, but really 100% all the way through what's God desiring to accomplish. So I want to take you to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And we've learned that we don't just, you know, pluck a verse. We try and understand context of what's going on. And, and it gives a little more depth and meaning of the Scripture. And what's going on in this particular uh, storyline, Second Chronicles 15, the uh, distressed Israel had disobeyed God. Anyone ever made any mistakes and just purposefully, deliberately disobeyed God, and then you regretted it? Raise your hand if that's you. Point to people who didn't raise their hand. Say, liar. No, don't do that. So recognize all of us have done that. That's just, I mean, like that's normal human fallen nature. But Jesus came to cause us to be stronger than that. He came to awaken something within us to help us move beyond those times. We all can identify and relate with where Israel was. They made bad decisions. Now they were distressed. Now now they began to cry out to God, God help us. God then began to raise up a king, and a wonderful time of flourishing was just ahead. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, whatever's been going on, I want you to know this is us. We're, we're, we're in a place right now where we're saying, okay, Lord, wake us up to more of what you have in store. A wonderful time of flourishing is just ahead. And this is what God says to the people as they begin to turn to him, being awakened to the greater purposes of God. Second Chronicles 15, verse 7 be strong. Everybody shout, be strong. be strong. Be strong and do not give up. Let's say it. Do not give up. Be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be able to make stupid decisions for 20 or 30 years and come to a, a conclusion that I need to pray a prayer and get right with God and 30 years of stupidity be completely erased as if it never happened and suddenly I'm brand new. How many of you would like that to happen? Isn't that would be wonderful? And I just want you to know, God is able. Uh, but he just doesn't choose to work that way very often. I don't know why. Decades of dumb, which we are all capable of, creates an incredibly complicated situation that we bring to the Lord, and it's like, uh, this is really bad, God, and I really love you, but this is really bad. And the Lord will say something like this, I am God, that is really bad, you are really dumb, but I am going to help you. And it's, it's an interesting conversation, uh, because the wisdom of God abounds to the dumb, and, and that's, you know, I qualify for that, I assume that you would say you qualify to that too, but, you know, I don't want a name call. But, you know, here we are in a situation, and we get ourselves, you know, in these complicated conclusions, we make all these crazy decisions, some of us don't even need a devil, we mess up our lives so bad, and we get into the situation, then we come to the Lord, and we pray, and we just want the Lord to change it all. Here's what happens, God hears the prayer, He moves moves on the heart of a young man and says, you're going to begin to be the king, and I'm going to introduce to you my ways of thinking, and you're going to introduce to them the, the, my ways of thinking, and they're going to be a changed people. See, here's the thing you've got to understand. God doesn't just change your situation, because if you don't change you, then you will think your situation back down to where you used to be. He's not going to just change your situation. God wants to change you, and that's what will change your situation. We just want him to fix it. It's not that simple, it's not that easy, and it's not that easy on purpose because he's not trying to fix it, he's trying to fix us. I don't know if you realize or not, but you actually got you into the situation you are in. 
And so God, like we want him to address the situation. He wants to talk to the person who's responsible for the situation. Tracy and I, we got to see it through. We got to see it through. Tracy and I, uh, back in the day when we first met in college, I mean, we fell in love. <laughs> I'm talking gushy love. I said, girl, you got to get off me. I know. No. <laughs> it's exactly like that. I'm sure I remember it right. And so we, we were like serious, you know, like we started having marriage conversations and we hadn't really had those conversations before. And all of a sudden it's like, well, this is it. Like this is the real thing. And then that same year, there was the Summer Olympics being hosted in Oklahoma and in Oklahoma City. And our church in Stillwater was um, a point church to organizing much of that event. I was a, an intern in the church at that time, making big bucks. I'm sure that's why she wanted to marry me, because I was a wealthy intern. And, and as I'm there, I'm, you know, I'm assigned to all these directions. I'm going every direction. I'm driving to Oklahoma City, and we're setting up. Here's the tennis match. And, this is, and, and what we did was we rallied the attention and the support of multiple churches in the community that would come out and serve in this wonderful event, taking the opportunity to share the gospel, primarily through a presentation of Olympic pins. And the pins actually had a gospel expression, so we trained people on how to do that. It was a really cool concept, and we had a ton of people that were involved and engaged in this. And again, we were kind of the point of this. And so... Like, Tracy and I are excited. We're going to get married. Yep, let's do this. And then I'm, you know, helping lead, lead this as the point church. And a lot of that fell to me as an intern that was, you know, running everywhere, doing everything. And, and, and it was just kind of a crazy time. We, we come all the way through the, the, the Summer Olympics, and I am utterly exhausted, depleted, everything you can imagine. And they had a big rally conclusion service downtown Oklahoma City. And, and I know I should have been there. I mean, I know because I was the intern of the Point Church that I should have been there. It's where all the churches rallied together and all the people came together and they worshiped and they celebrated because God is so good and he gave us this opportunity. I know I should have been there, but I was tired and Tracy is cute and I didn't make it. I didn't, I, not that I didn't make it, I chose not to go. How I many of you know that was really bad? I should have been there, right? But I mean, who's going to notice all these people there? Except that particular night, the guy who leads the whole thing stood up and he said, I just want to recognize a young man who's interning at a church and he has really been hustling and we want to present a thank you check to this young man if you could come up. Is he here? Where is he? Is he still breathing? And silence swept across the group as I was with her. It's this woman, Lord. It's this woman. <laughs> I, I quit too early. You get my point. I did not see it all the way through. We worked so hard, but I didn't go all the way to the end. Recently, I was in a, a golf scramble with a group of guys, and, and we won. We won the thing. It was really great. We got, we got gift cards to go to the pro shop and shop. And I'm standing there, and they you know, pull us up, and they recognize us, and, and then I'm, I'm watching, and they're drawing tickets, and like, we're the winners. So like tickets, like sleeve of balls, a squeegee thing for your drink, you know, like silly little trinket things. And I'm watching this drawing take place, and I'm thinking, give me a break, man. Like, I've got a gift card. I'm going to the pro shop for the big stuff, right? 
And so I leave the drawing going on, and, and I'm in there, and, and I, I'm like shopping, and, and actually, Sister Russell is your great-grandson, isn't it? And so uh, I'm in the, I didn't realize he was in the tournament, but he comes running in, and he finds me in the golf shop, and he goes, they drew your name! They drew your name! And I was like, sleeve of all, squeegee, what? He says, no, 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 you got the grand prize! And I was like, ooh, what, what was that? And I go back in there, and when they draw your name for the grand prize and you're not there, <laughs> they throw your ticket away and draw another name because you have to be present to win. Grand prize was dinner for two at Mahogany. That's expensive. And courtside seats on the floor with the thunder at a game. Grand prize was a few thousand bucks. And though we won the tournament, I grieved for days. You know, it's like, I left the room. I didn't see it through to the very end. Have you ever found yourself not seeing it through to the very end and regretting it? Let's not let 2017 be like my two experiences I'm explaining, huh? Let's see this thing through. I believe there's a very great and certain reward. I believe there's a great foundation upon which we are to build and stand and be strengthened and empowered by God. Hebrews chapter 11 is this incredible uh, verse of, verses of Scripture. It's a great chapter about all these mighty men and women of God and how they devoted themselves completely to the eternal nature of God and the purposes of God. How many of you know when you're living life and focusing in on what this world has to offer, you get very confused and you're very distracted and you don't really run the race very well. But when you're awakened to the eternal nature of what God is trying to do in the earth, suddenly your priorities begin to change. You begin to see things more like God sees things. And so you've got this whole progression of these generations of believers, Hebrews 11, amazing chapter. And then following that chapter, what's happened, those generations, though those believers, they served their generation wholeheartedly. Many of them lost their lives. The Bible describes, listen, the Bible describes some of them got their bodies sawed in half because they refused to compromise. Christianity, as we know it, is way soft. And we need to understand this is not about our living a nice padded life because we've said yes to Jesus as if he's our great sugar daddy in the sky, but we have embraced the eternal nature of God and the recognition there's a fight going on in this world and you and I are called on assignment together to get it on an entirely different level than anybody in the world really understands. Let's talk about what Christianity is today. Let's talk about what Jesus is all about today. Let's talk about what the church should be about today. We've tried to take Christianity and re reduce it down to some self-serving religion. And I just want you to know, that's not Christianity. Christianity has a cross, and it's going to cost you something. And if you're here hoping we'll pray a nice prayer and everything about your life will just begin to be beautiful, then you're missing the whole point. God does want your life to flourish, and he wants you to have an awesome life. That's the truth. But we always talk about this truth with the trick. The trick is God doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself. God wants you to provide an awesome life for others. That's what makes your life awesome. It's a cross at the middle of this thing that makes it work. And it's a willingness to surrender to the purposes of God where we live our lives with open hands, with everything he's entrusted to our care, saying, Lord, what do you desire? 
And this is a beautiful picture in this, in this Hebrews chapter 11 of all these mighty men and women of God who live their lives so sacrificially, so completely abandoned to the cause of Christ and the purposes of God. And every generation, they would take the baton of faith, and before they would leave the race, they would hand the baton off to the next generation. And the next generation would be running, having been inspired by them. And they would take the baton, and they then would run the race until it was time for them to exit the race, and they give it to the next generation. You and I are a part of the past of that baton. Do you understand? The baton has been passed has been passed since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob down through the lineage to David, through the lineage to Jesus, and then all of a sudden the purposes of God are awakened in all the earth for us all to embrace. Let's carry the baton well. So here we have this great cloud of witnesses as is described in Scripture those that have inspired us to run the race well. And we go from that context, it's important that we understand the context of Scripture so that we get it, then we go to the next chapter. And this is where I want us to land today. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read two portions of Scripture. The first one, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. I want you to think about the essence of what I've just said. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so many inspiring men and women of God have, have inspired us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter, or the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured so much opposition from sinners, being crucified, beaten, still continue to express the love of God. Consider him in his example, so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. This is a very important portion of Scripture for us. And I want to say to you, let's see it all through. Let's see it all the way through. If you go back and you look at this, you understand this is saying we're surrounded by all these inspiring leaders throughout the generations. Let's, did, you, did you catch it? Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This is where we start to see a little bit of what Paul was talking about in another portion of Scripture when he says, well, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. That means, guys, I'm coaching you here. There are some things that technically might not be issues of sin, but it hinders your life and holds you back, and you're not running the race the way you need to run the race. We really need to wake up and realize there's a race that has a certain pace for us to run, and we need to be our, I, we need you in this race. We need you in this fight. We need you on fire and in this fight, giving yourselves completely to the purposes of God, running it well, throwing off everything that hinders not getting engaged and involved in sin that entangles us and binds us up and keeps us from running at all. 
This is where we have to learn transparency and friendship and relationship and community groups and and context of that element of relationship where we're able to say, I'm struggling here. We're we're probably not going to do that in in this room. If you come into this congregational gathering of people and we we embrace, take those few moments and embrace each other and, and, and they say, hi, how are you? And you say, I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling right now. If you do that in that context, you're probably not going to get a lot of, uh, you know, partnership and support because it's more of a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. We care about each other, but we're in this journey congregationally in this, in this room of worshiping God. There's another level of our journey, and it requires building relationship, establishing rapport, getting face-to-face with somebody who you know you can talk openly about your issues, and they're not going to go put it on Facebook. They're going to pray for you, and they're going to help you, and they're going to be there for you, and they're going to be a strength to you. But don't you expect 20 years of nonsense to be worked out by one conversation in prayer. God's not changing your situation. God's changing you, and that's going to change your situation. Come on, you ought to clap a little more than that. Let God have his way. I like this other portion of Scripture that we read, and it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is your next blank if you'll write this in. It's a really important statement. The pathway to purpose is always filled with pain. Focusing on the purpose will push you through the pain. You will never never discover purpose if you don't truly understand the pathway to purpose is going to have pain. If discovering purpose in your life was just simple, then everybody would discover it. It's this question, how do I get there? It's like God awakens a dream within our heart to enlarge us and increase us, and then we suddenly realize the eternal nature of God has been revealed in my life, and I'm being drawn and driven to something greater than this world will ever understand. And getting from here to there, it might be filled with pain, but I am so full of purpose, nothing is going to keep me down. Nothing is going to hold me back. You can't blog about me and keep me down and discouraged. You can't say something behind my back to my friends and keep me discouraged. What does it take to discourage your life? Be focused on the purpose and you will always push through the pain. I'm going to ask you to stand as I read this next and final portion of Scripture and I want to release this word over you. I want you to I want you to receive this over your life today. I want to minister this word over you. I don't want to just read a verse. I want to release something. When you take the time to read the word and spend time in prayer, don't just read the book. Sit with the author. What does he want to awaken within you as you read? Not just religious requirement, read, read, because I do my devotions and they said I should do my devotions. Not just taking the Word of God out, but just reaching through those pages to embrace the God of that Word, the author of Scripture that will awaken something within us. And I want you to allow that to happen as I say this, these verses out of the New Living Version. Hebrews 12, we're continuing on with this whole theme we've been laying out, verses 12 and 13. Just open your hearts. I'm going to read it more than once. 
So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, they will not stumble and fall, but they will become strong. I know it can be overwhelming at times. I know it can be discouraging at times. This morning, it was just interesting. I just felt like the Lord was showing me just little distractions, little frustrations, little discouragements, and I just felt like there was almost like little enemies coming, trying to get around to get my, hold my attention hostage on things that are really not a part of the bigger picture. And it was almost like I was just punching them in the head and they would disappear. You know, you ever play whack-a-mole? Anybody play whack-a-mole? We're just going to whack a demon. That's why, just keep whack, it's like, just whack a demon. I mean, that's just what I felt like was going on this morning. And I just want to say that you and I are created to more than conquer in the image of this unconquerable king. He is on our side. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Take a new grip. With your tired hands, have your, tired, have your hands grown tired? Have your legs grown shaky? Have you been faltering and feeling like, can I really go on? I want you to think about this great, cl- this great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us as we look at those who lost and gave everything so that we could have what we have in this hour that we possess. And let's provide that for the next generation to come because we rise up and we strengthen this faith movement called the Jesus movement, our generation. Come on, giant killers. Come on, mountain movers. We kill giants. We move mountains. That's who we are.